Does Monday at the office feel like a storm? Not with Microsoft Copilot. That feeling when Copilot gets everyone up to speed instantly? It's sunny again. When Copilot simplifies complex data so your teams can act, that sun's shining on a beach. And when Copilot uncovers hidden insights, you're on that beach with your people and you find buried treasure. That's Microsoft Copilot. Learn more at Microsoft.com slash AI for all. Survivor 46 is here and so is On Fire, the only official Survivor podcast. And we have a twist this season. The winner of Survivor 45, D. Valladares, will be joining us every week. We're going behind the scenes of the biggest moments, the how and the why things happen, and the strategy and analysis you can only get from someone like me, a Survivor winner. Listen to On Fire, the official Survivor podcast, wherever you get your podcast. This is Andy Gutierrez from StarWars.com, and you are listening to Coffee with Kenobi with Dan Z. This is the podcast you're looking for. This is James Arnold Taylor, and you're listening to Coffee with Kenobi. Hmm, I have a good feeling about this. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of CWK Live every Tuesday night at 7 o'clock p.m. Central Standard Time. I'm your host, Dan Zare. Thrilled to be talking stars with each and every one of you. Let's bring in our friends. Hello, Blake Weaver. Blake is here. Good to see you, buddy. Minta, this is the way. It's CWK Day. Good to see you, Minta. Happy Bad Batch and Mandalorian Eve. That's right. Tomorrow, two brand new shows. We've got a brand new The Bad Batch which is going to be something you're going to really want to talk about. And the premiere of Season 3 of The Mandalorian. That's right, it's back. And I've got an amazing show to get you ready for that incredible experience. Terry is here. Hello, Terry. Good to see you. Mary also. Good to see you, Mary. Happy Star Wars Eve. Bad Batch and Mando. Absolutely. Daniel is here. Hey, yo. Daniel, what is up? It's good to see all of you. Yes, it is. Uh, Let's see. I've got some fun surprises for you. Well, one of them you probably already saw. You probably already got the news that I had a little uh, a little busy this week. Had a pretty cool uh, series of interviews uh, with uh, a couple of people from the world of Mandalorian that you might recognize. The audio of that is out on Coffee with Kenobi's feed today. That's right. I had John Favreau, Dave Filoni, Katie Sackhoff, Enric Faramigua, I believe that's how you pronounce his last name, all joining me and other members of Coffee with, of sorry, of the Star Wars, some other Star Wars fan podcasts. It was really fantastic. I'm going to show an exclusive video clip of my questions to the group as well. In fact, that is just now getting ready to go. So let's jump into what we're actually going to be looking at, of course. As promised, where's my opening card? Here we go. Uh, we got your top five moments from Star Wars The Bad Batch Retrieval. We've got The Mandalorian Season 3 pre-show. And, of course, your comments and questions. Terry says, love the interview. Say, well, thank you, Terry. I appreciate that. It was a blast. It was an absolute blast. Uh, and there may be... So, we will see. We'll see how things kind of work out. Blake is going to be listening to that epic CWK episode tomorrow at work. Well, thank you, Blake. Um, it is a It's a great episode i'm i really was excited to ask my questions to everybody that's worked on the mandalorian and then of course uh other members of the star wars fan community like full of sith fangirls going roads uh skywalking through neverland father son podcast 
and the Sky Talkers. Um, all of us were together. It was really, really always great uh, to be a part of something as cool as that. All right, let's take a look at what is brewing in the world of Star Wars this week. So I'm not going to make you wait any longer. Uh, we're going to do our top five, of course, but I feel like, well, you know, I'll let you decide. Do you want to see video of the interviews I had with members of the cast and creators of The Mandalorian? Or do you want to jump into our top five first? I am happy to do whatever you prefer in whatever order you prefer to do it. You just go ahead and let me know. Uh, this week on The Bad Batch, I mean, well, there is going to be a new weekly thing where we're going to have new projects a new merchandise from the mandalorian of course uh terry says he wants the video first okay uh mary wants the video too i have a feeling this is how it's gonna go probably right um so what do you think all right you know what let's do the video let me get that loaded up here for you let me get you loaded up here a real quick caveat before we do that uh when i first when Corey and i the first time, well, the second time we met, we met at this uh, local restaurant and we made a list of guests that we wanted. And number one, I put George Lucas. Now, I haven't had George on the show. I don't know that that's ever going to happen. But I have met George and I did get to thank him. And that was pretty special. But number two on the list was Dave Filoni. Now, I've talked to Dave plenty of times at conventions. Uh, one time he and I were in the elevator together talking about stuff with Celebration and just fun stuff like that. Uh, but this is the first time I got to have him on the show properly and it was alongside John Farrow which is an amazing thing um let's just get right to this video when I start if it goes a random one it's because I didn't change over but I'm going to change it right away locate file let's locate that file I know where the file is computer all right friends here we go oh here we go there we go here it is right. next up we'll have Dan from coffee with Kenobi Hello, gentlemen. This is a question I ask my mythology students, and I'm excited to see what the two of you think about this. I want to see if you can talk about the symbolism of Din Djarin initially struggling with wielding the dark lights, the dark saber in the Book of Boba Fett. That's a great that's a great question. I'm glad you caught that, you know, because on the one hand, you're super excited because I look as the first person who ever wielded the dark oh, saber. Oh, boy, here we go. As as uh, as pre Vizsla. I could say that it was a uh, that George, you know, that was a reshoot, by the way, because I was originally that's a public record, right? It was a, it was originally when I recorded the voice, it was a vibroblade, mm -hmm. and when George had seen it cut together, uh, I I found out from Dave because I got called back into the recording booth that no, the vibroblade can't block another lightsaber; it has to be, and he and he created this lore around the dark saber that was stolen from a Jedi temple and the idea of mm -hmm. Tar Vizsla, somebody who was a Jedi and a Mandalorian, like. And and I remember like I got to go back and record this. I told my wife what what I was doing. Like I got to go back and I just I got to do it again. She was like, George is right. That's super cool. Super cool. <laughs> and she was right. Like it ended up being this compelling image of what this thing is. But then also I got my clues from Rebels, where uh, you know when when um, Sabine. when Sabine was learning to to wield it, it was heavy to her. Mm -hmm. And the sense that there is you know it's almost like the teachings in in uh, martial arts of like you know you can't you can't grab water, you have to, you have to cup your hands and you, it's not something you could control. You have to flow with it. 
And the Mandalorian, somebody who probably doesn't have a lot of force abilities and doesn't have any training in it, and who's, who's great at every other weapon, this thing is heavy. And you notice when Paz Vizsla picks up the Darksaber to use it, it's, it ends up being the thing that, that uh, probably loses the battle for him in the Book of Boba Fett, that he's even stronger, but it's even heavier to him. And so that whole Excalibur sword in the stone, if it's your, if you're fated to do this. So there's something larger that's allowing you to wield these things and they become mythic or symbolic metaphors for whether this is your destiny and, and if you're trying to force something. So, you know, the, 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 the strongest knights in the land could not budge the sword and pull it from the stone. And you want to fill in the rest of the, that? No, I, no, it's all very good. Yeah. yeah, I mean, you did wield the sword, so you do now. But yeah, I think it's, it's, it's a matter of, you know, when you're wielding a weapon like that, it is a lot of what's in your mind and in your heart more than your physical prowess. And I think that that is what Kanan was trying to teach Sabine. She's fantastic at, she's a great warrior, but she's not balanced in her mind all of her struggles with her family are preventing her from growing, are preventing her from being balanced in her body. And so, you know, with Mando, he comes into this thing the right way because he doesn't really even want it. But that lack of wanting it is almost like a lack of responsibility. It's saying that, well, why don't you value it? And how can you wield it if you don't really even value it? So there's... It's and always also a good hurts metaphor. Him. Well, it's also cool in, 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 he it, hurts when himself, he hurts right? him, he's yeah. using it. He's like limping around like this yeah. thing. Imagine, because I always thought about that, like a lightsaber, if you don't know how to use it. It's a fumble. It's got to be it's a, a bigger, roll. that's that's not, yeah, it's not a good, <laughs> it, I, it always amazed me that they weren't hurting themselves more. With well, this. I think a lot of people did. You just didn't hear about them because <laughs> <laughs> you hurt yourself. You're not in the story anymore. Right. You fall right. out of but, it. But uh, yeah, but he's, they're all having. I was uh, always shocked when Han used Luke's lightsaber to cut, to open, cut open the tauntaun. I thought that was a big move. But he's smart, you know, but he all he does is make a little Yeah, that's split. it. One quick that's thing, yeah. Not a big deal. No, no, no he's not fighting. He doesn't want to use that. Thing. It's like, here's the other thing about a lightsaber. By any definition of the world they live in, it's a really old weapon. Right. So I've talked about this. It's not as work. cool to them, you were saying. No, it's not. Cuts. Like a samurai is an incredibly well-trained warrior, and that seems great, and they're highly effective, and they're very smart, and they have a way of being. And then rifles come around. And when you see the seven samurai, you see how just how difficult it is for these incredibly skilled warriors with a great, you know, with a philosophy and a way of life. But they just get thoughtlessly taken out by someone with a rifle. And so, you know, it's up to Kyuzo to go in and, and take out as many as he can. And it's dangerous because technology is overcoming what skill and discipline has given them. And that becomes a quick and easy path to power right is now we have a, a a weapon a blaster that can just you know take take down a jedi so now we have more people with more blasters and that's a, like it is an old elegant thing to wield a lightsaber and it takes a tremendous amount of training and discipline to wield it you just can't pick it up and use it so all of that then fits in with george's philosophy about the force itself which is yes we are all part of the force we are all connected we all have it but it takes a great deal of training and discipline to understand how to wield it. And very few people uh, have that discipline. In our own world, we see that. We, it's so hard to be disciplined to do things that are good for us, physically, mind, body, spirit. So it's, it's, 
is true in the Star Wars universe as well. This is the Star Wars Fan Site Roundtable with Rick. Dan, you're up next. Hey, uh, Dan Zare from Coffee with Kenobi. One of my favorite things about the behind the scenes of the first season, besides you wearing the Jays, of course, best <laughs> best dressed director in Star Wars. There you go. Uh, I liked hearing about your uh, the production and you all sitting together in that roundtable. If you could talk about your role in the production of the show and how it's evolved this season and how does that impact your role as a director? Yeah, um, what's been incredible about this experience uh, is, of course, my my Star Wars fandom and geekdom has been, you know, uh, thoroughly expressed. But but really, the the environment that was created by John John Favreau and Dave Filoni as this show was coming together really set the tone for um, the experience of, of of making this story. And, and it was so collaborative and so open and and he was so open to each director bringing their point of view uh to to the to the larger storytelling that it really created a, a sort of uh, a family dynamic in in terms of how these stories come together and it didn't feel like you're sort of passing a story from one person to another but everyone was sort of a telling telling the same story and sort of understood it and there was a unique way that that first season came together because we were all sort of new to, to the technology and sort of had to really know what everyone else was doing that informed the process moving forward. So because it's it's always been that and John has sort of been the one who does, has done most of the writing, if not all of it, uh, it doesn't have the feel of like, you know, what I guess would be traditional television. So it, it's always felt very collaborative in that way. So as my role, um, expanded uh, specifically because I was also writing and, and you know, after the first episode I directed, John asked me to do another episode and, and also write on it. And, you know, I've had the opportunity to, to sort of be a part of his process and that process as he's been writing um, and thinking about the seasons as they're coming together. And, and, and that was the case in season two. You know, he asked me to write a, an episode, and so that meant, you know, hearing and talking to him about his process and what he was bringing together and talking to Dave and, and trying to let it make sure it all lined up as I was writing, um, because it wasn't like a traditional writer's room. Um, um, so we all had to be aligned in what we were writing, so it, it helped me sort of see the overall arc of, of storytelling. So that's been this season has been sort of a natural progression of that. And that now that I'm coming on both as a director, but also executive producer, um, being able to have been a part of that process since season one, and now it's sort of expanded in a way that there's trust between the three of us, trust between myself and John. Um, and as the the show just got bigger and bigger, it it's something that I think we all having been a part of it from the beginning needed to all get our arms around. So I was, I was, so I, I sort of expanded my role in, in that way, but in some ways it still, it still feels very familiar to, to what we've been doing since, since season one. Uh, hi, I'm Dan Zare from coffee with Kenobi. Hello. Hello there. So uh, speaking of Dave Filoni, what have you learned about uh, as an actor 
and a storyteller from spending time with both Dave Filoni and John Favreau throughout this whole process. Yeah. So, I mean, talk about commitment to your work with Dave. I mean, he literally lives this. He he knows this world better than anybody, probably better than George at this point. Um, you know, and 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 it's what he does with an absolute passion that drives him. And and I love talking to him about it all the time. It, it's just a joy. Um, and you know, from from John, I mean. John is a master. I've 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 wanted to work with John since I got into this business. He was like on my list of people I wanted to work with. Um he's just such a good storyteller and he he really has the ability to lead you on a journey and see the big picture but focus on the small details and and he's just so good at what he does. So you talked a little bit earlier about your differences uh, between yourself as a person and then, of course, Bo-Katan and then Starbuck. But I also am a huge Battlestar Galactica fan, so I'd be remiss if I didn't ask you some key similarities and differences for you between Bo-Katan, Starbuck, and also I loved you as Sarah Corvus in The Bionic Woman, too. Oh, thank you. I love that show. Too short-lived. Yeah. Um, You know, there is a there is a youthful angst to to Starbuck that is exhausting. Um, you know, she is really trying to figure out who she is and where she fits in the world and what her purpose is. And she's fighting back against authority. And, you know, um, probably a little like Bo-Katan when we first meet her um, in Clone Wars. Um, but I think that <laughs> because of the, the tragic ending of Starbuck, we never got to see her um grow into a a, a a woman really you know um and and i think that Bo has all of these life experiences and all of these tragedies and all of these burdens and and the weight of of the you know self-imposed you know desire to lead i think all of that has created this character that is um, incredibly complicated and heavy and um, tragic, you know? Um, and then, you know, Sarah Corvus was just nuts. Sarah was just nuts. <laughs> she was just crazy. <laughs> and that was fun. Like, I loved playing her. I absolutely loved playing her. That was that was uh, um, my first sort of, like, like a foray into superhero status a little bit in the sense that she had, she had superhuman strength, which was really fun to play. Thank you so much. Yeah. Well, how about it? I promised you that we were going to have a little bit of a, a pre-Mandalorian party. And that was pretty fun, I got to say. That was so cool. Thank you, uh, Mary. Uh, yeah, a lot of great comments during the video. You can, of course, watch the, the playback on Facebook or on YouTube. Uh, Minta says, love, love, love this video. Thank you. So I've, I've done a few roundtables, but never one like, like where I got to do the video aspect of things, too. 
And I realized my lighting is not as good as Lucasfilm and Disney's, but I think that's not a surprise. It's also not a surprise that the questions, uh, all the questions from all of my peers were amazing. I strongly suggest that you listen to the, to the podcast that again dropped today, episode 617, I believe, or 616, uh, yeah, 617. But I was excited about Dave and John answering the question about the Darksaber because I've always wondered that. I've talked about that. I wasn't exaggerating when I said I ask my students this. We do essays when we look at certain episodes of the Book of Boba Fett or the Mandalorian. So hear them give feedback on it was pretty neat. It was it was quite a thrill. Uh, Daniel, thank you for the claps, my friend. Matthew says so excited for tomorrow. Have you seen it yet? I've not. I've not seen it yet. I will be waking up super early to enjoy it, uh, just like I know all of you will. All right, but we've also got a new Bad Batch tomorrow. But before we get to the new Bad Batch, let's talk about Retrieval, the latest episode of Retrieval. Of course, we've got a new one tomorrow, but we haven't talked about Retrieval yet on our top five, and there's plenty to discuss. So let's go ahead and jump into that. So number five for me, we also got to talk about what we're going to do with Mando. Number five, I put the Temple of Doom Bridge. You know, uh, it, there's a couple of quick moments where they look up and the way that it's lit and the way that there's like lava below or something really, really warm. I came from a low-income family that was, that was struggling. You see how hard life can get. GC became a part of my life because I don't want my family to fall back into that. I never thought education would take me this far. I'm still young. I still have a lot to do in my life and just want to get things done the way I want with a good education under me. I'm Stacy and Grand Canyon University helped me find my purpose. Plus, even Kevin Kiner's music. This is not the first time they've done something with Indiana Jones type homages or references. So it was really nice and fun to see that little Easter egg. I think, and I'm sure a lot of you dug that as well. Mean Just Five is a gonk droid had an important role in the episode, and it paid off when the crew found their ship. Yeah, it was good to see Gonky back. We haven't seen a lot of Gonky this this season. Terry's Five is tech, impressed with Omega's idea to track Gonky instead of the ship. I know when he when he says it, it or when Omega says it, you're like, oh wait, that's a great idea. Uh, Mary's number five, same similar mind, the Temple of Doom feel. Yeah, which was very cool. I really enjoyed that a lot. Uh, let's see. Who else has a top five? Uh, number five for me. Here's one. Oh, Matthew is behind on the Bad Batch and driving. Matthew, do not apologize. And please keep your eyes on the road and your hands on the wheel, my friend. Uh, <laughs> we will certainly uh, be happy to catch up with you later. Just be safe, brother. Uh, Daniel's five is Omega's idea to track the Marauder through Gonky. How cool! So that is um, Terry and Daniel both like that, and I don't blame you. It was pretty fun. One, two, three, four, five. Okay. Um, if you have, if I haven't gotten to yet, go ahead and jump in there whenever you get a chance. But I'm gonna go ahead and jump into number four. Let's go into number four. Number four is at the beginning, Omega. Um, is is talking to Benny and says, you stole the wrong ship. And she says it kind of like, um, I'm not braggy, but just more kind of like 
you know, kind of popping her jersey if she was an NBA player saying, you know, we are pretty awesome. So you really shouldn't have taken our ship. And they just seem so like overpowering and just kind of a fun, cool, a cool, exciting little thing. Number four for Mary, the bridge in the story at a Temple of Doom vibe to it. It seems that some of the episodes have had some Indiana Jones Easter eggs. I agree, Minta. Number four from Mary Omega tracking the Marauder through Gonky when no one else thought about it. Also, how important Gonky is to our group. Yes, and again, nice to see Gonky back. Terry's number four is Disney's uncanny ability to create a character we love to hate in Mako. Yes, and if you heard me talk about it on Coffee with Kenoid this week with my son Mason, of course, and then Greg McLaughlin from Rebel Base Card. Mako drives me crazy. He's one of my least favorite, most despised characters in Star Wars. He's just not nice. So yes, I agree with you. Number four for Daniel is Omega and Benny's dialogue about their homes. They both have a realization and great learning moment. Absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, Mary says, Terry, he was so gross. He was gross. And not good gross like Tom Gross. He was just... And just greedy and slovenly and taking advantage of people and not caring about what happens to them. And I just, as I said on Coffee with Kenobi this week, I don't like that in reality, let alone in my fiction. So, yes, he, they did a good job of him being despicable. Darren says, just amazed and sad how Mako had so much food and gave his guys so little. Darren, that's exactly right. That is exactly uh, which blew me away as well. Really, uh, like I said, Charles is very much like a Charles Dickens character. Three, Imperial Similarities, Tech is talking with Omega and talks about how the way that Mako is doing things and treating people is not unlike what the Empire does. But then he also is quick to point out, but there's also a lot of good people in the world uh, in the galaxy doing things like we are doing. So I think that's really important. I mean, we talk about, you know, in reality, there's so much... Uh, emphasis focus on negativity and sadness and things that bring us down and yeah of course you're aware of things but you know there's also more good and the fact that tech of all people the least emotional brings that up was really fantastic number three for me to the interaction between benny and omega was very natural despite coming from different backgrounds that seem to have a lot in common especially when it comes to trying to help their families that's right well said Okay, so yeah, that was number three. Uh, anybody else have a number three that they would like to share with us? I know a lot of you are probably rewinding, or you're just probably stop watching the show if you could download those Mandalorian interviews that I did today. I don't blame you. No blame, you. just kidding. Uh, Terry's number three, trusting Benny and Omega for the retrieval mission. It was cool to see them working together. And yes, I also like that too. That they trust Omega to go by herself. And and we've been saying this for weeks now, but it's not even a thing anymore. She's an equal. She's not like the young clone that they're looking over. She is very much a part of the team. Very much. Daniel's three as a score was again a great support to the scenes. Love the raw guitar string notes. Oh, good, good call. They were, and they were really cool. Darren is wondering if the Bad Batch will figure out that Sid is treating them in somewhat the same way. Is that the theme of the season, to get away from Sid's influence? I wonder. Yes, well, we will have to find out. And the fact that there's a new episode tomorrow, 
is also pretty exciting. Mary's number three, Omega and Vinny talking about their lives while Omega is downloading the information for the shield and finding the prophet's data. She shares her rations and he is so surprised. This interaction opens up Benny's eyes to what is happening there. And it took actual hard evidence, hard data for him to be persuaded. I mean, you, you kind of get the sense or more, I guess you hope that he gets the sense that there's a lot of bad going on. And yet, it's not really a big focal point uh, of the decisions that he makes. And then he can't ignore the evidence any longer. And he very much turns on Mako and helps Omega and the Bad Batch. And thank goodness he did. Because that was Mako just no good. No good, right? He's just He is just the worst. Number two, the ambush of Benny. I just realized on this um, scene here, I just spelled Benny wrong. So sorry about that, Benny. But when they team up and the four of them ambush him, it is so cool. It's just a great, you know, he tries to run away and Wrecker grabs him and Omega holds her bow. And just it's just like this perfect collaboration of this well-trained, well-focused, well-versed team that works together like one entity. And it's just it's just a really great action sequence to remind us that the Bad Batch is mighty. And they are a force to be reckoned with. Number two for Mary is going down the exhaust pipe. Poor Wrecker fighting his fear of heights. Then Omega telling Benny he stole the wrong ship, which is a great, a great little sequence too. Number two for Minta is it's sad to see the similarities between the Imperial Way and Mako's treatment of his, quote, family, end quote. But Tech also stated that there were people like themselves that try to make the galaxy a better place. That's right. That's right. And very similar to what I talked about uh, in three. Terry's two is Benny learning trust and empowerment through Omega's example. Hmm. Good point. The fact that they learn or he learns from her and her example. I, she's such a great leader because she isn't flat out spelled out. She just does it. And because of who she is, she inspires. Number two for Daniel is Mako. The writers, sound gaffers, and artists did such a great job of making me dislike him. It was nice to see a real villain for the team to deal with. Yes. And Daniel had the same, of course, as I've been saying, and if you heard Coffee with Kenobi this week, I said the same thing. Uh, very easy to dislike him. They did a great job of making that come to fruition for us. But it's time for number one. Ooh, that's loud. I guess it's not that loud. I just have my computer up loud. Yeah, that's why. Okay, number one. Sorry, just a little uh, interior, interior monologue coming outward. Hunter's Descent. Mary talked about it a little bit ago. But the action sequence of him tying that rope around himself, jumping bravely and, and quickly down that pipe, and you got a minute before the the it, it erupts again, fearless, without worry, without hesitation, with complete purpose. It was just cool to see Hunter doing Hunter stuff. He's, I mean, he is sort of taking a backseat in a way this season. It doesn't bother me because I think it's better when everybody gets a chance to really be a focal point. But it was very cool. I just really liked that action scene. When it happened, it was a tie between this and number two for me, but ultimately... Because I'm such a fan of Hunter, I made that my number one. But please let me share your number one. And as, as you probably noticed by now, if you don't get a chance to join us live, 
Certainly, you can hear the show on the podcast feed. Then later, usually about 15 minutes or so after this live show drops on Facebook, I post something in the CWK Cafe. Or if you didn't get a chance to bring your top five or you want to celebrate one of your top moments, you can certainly do that there. Number one for Mary, the trust our team has in one another. Now they understand how well they understand one another. Hunter rescuing Omega on the bridge was a very cool sequence. I loved it. I loved it too. Terry's number one is the unification of the workers and the kids as they come together against Mako. Awesome. Minta's number one. Hunter pulling off an Indiana Jones move up to save Omega from falling to the lava. Enough said. Yes, an Indiana Jones move. I haven't thought of it that way, but that's cool. Daniel's number one. The scene with Hunter and Omega swinging to save her and both their trust in one another. So righteous that she took the droid with her. Wasn't that cool? And I saw that David W. Collins was the voice of Gonky because they didn't have a big library of sound effects. So they, I think they filtered it through like a guitar amp or something. I don't know, it was pretty cool. Number one for Darren is Mako losing it all. That was fine with me too because he is um, such a poop face. I'm sorry for the for the uh, for the language, but he's such a poop face. Mako, uh, you will not be missed, my friend. You will not be missed. Well, next week. So, you know, if you remember when Willow was in full swing, I was I had Willow to cover every week and the Bad Batch every week. And it was very much a labor of love, but it, of course there's more that goes into it. But we didn't really do a top five for Willow because we stuck with Star Wars. So now we've got The Mandalorian Season 3 coming out tomorrow. Yay! Wait, that's sort of an applause thing. Um, and then we've got, of course, the Bad Batch. We've got all of March to see the Bad Batch. And there's some amazing stuff that's coming your way from the Bad Batch, I promise you. So what are we going to do about that, right? Two live shows? Well, I don't really think that's a great idea. I don't have the time for that, and I know you don't have the time for that either. So we're just going to make big old shows, aren't we? Uh, Matthew says, language. Sorry, Matthew. Hey, keep your eyes on the wheel, buddy. Uh, we're going to do both. We're going to do two top fives. While Bad Batch and Mando are coming out, we're going to do Metamorphosis, top five for the Metamorphosis, and then a separate top five for the Mandalorian Chapter 17. At least at the time of this recording, I'm assuming that's what the next one is called because Chapter 1 had eight, or the first season had eight chapters or episodes, and the second season had eight chapters or episodes. So yeah, I'm just going to make sure I have water. Remember a couple years ago when I lost my voice in the middle of a show and Mason had to run downstairs and bring me water? Well, I'm going to have water with me so we can do both top fives. So pretty fun, right? Uh, Amita says bring it so she's in for it. Terry's up for a longer show. That's great. Blake digs it too, as does Mary. Thank you, Mary. She says, nice. Daniel says, that works for me. And Mary says, we can do this game. That's right. With a little extra Star Wars homework, but that's good. And remember, as I say every week, please bring your friends. Let your let your friends, let your family know about this fun that we have. Because not only if you join us live will people see you and hear your comments live, but this the audio of the show goes out to so many people, so many people. And they're going to hear what you have to say each and every week, which is pretty great. Darren says, let's go. Yeah, indeed, let's go. And while we're going, let's go into Ask Dan Z.
All right, uh, Matthew, we're, we're, Matthew Safe says, we're parked at the moment, waiting for my daughter to get out of her musical rehearsal. Sounds like an amazing idea, Dan. I'm down. Good. Glad to hear it, buddy. Looking forward to uh, looking forward to the chat. So last week, there was some new Indiana Jones figures, so we didn't get to that this week, but we're gonna. I'm going to try to get to that at some point. And then, like I said, there's new Mandalorian uh, promotional. It's going to come out every week with some new things. I'm going to post some stuff on the website and on social media for you to enjoy as well. And they're also on StarWars.com, of course. So there you have it. Thank you, everybody. Uh, Blake says, well, all these big actors and producers you've interviewed, who has given you the most nervousness? That's a great question. You know, um... Honestly, I I don't remember and I don't I don't really get nervous about it anymore. I mean, to be fair, I am sitting in my studio and I'm looking at my monitor. So it's almost like I'm watching them on TV. You know what I mean? So that that does help a little bit. But I've, I've been very fortunate to talk with a lot of people in person and uh, through Zoom and things like that. I don't really get nervous anymore. I just, I'm kind of in a good place where I think about they're just people they are doing a job, just like somebody asking me a question about something that I'm teaching or whatever. So I try to think of it that way. Now inside you're aware of it. When I was, when I was asking, you probably heard when I talked to Dave and John, I said, instead of saying dark saber, I said dark light saber. And I messed up because I'm looking at these two. I'm thinking, my gosh, these are the guys who helped create the dark saber. So it totally, very much goes through your brain. You know what I mean? But I don't let myself. I learned, uh, quite honestly, fully honest, uh, when I met Harrison Ford, I just told myself, you get one chance at things like this, don't waste it. So I just tell myself before it happens, you're not going to get nervous. You're just going to ask questions and talk. And I mean, it's for the people, right? It's for, it's for us. It's for us to listen to and enjoy. So I appreciate that question. I hope that, hope that makes, hope that makes sense. Dan wants to know Celebration London is going to be streamed. You know, uh, they haven't said yet. The last couple have, so I'm hopeful that they are. But I haven't heard anything about that at all. But we are, uh, let's see, I've got a countdown on my phone. We're pretty close to Celebration. It is 38 days away. So hopefully we'll hear something pretty soon. But you know what You know what else is coming up pretty soon? You know what else is coming up pretty soon? It is the Halcyon, the Halcyon trip which is going to be awesome. It's me. It's several of you who are on the show tonight and others who are not able to join us, but you are going to join us in Orlando, June 12th to the 14th with me, Coffee with Kenobi, and MEI and Mouse Fan Travel. Go to coffeewithkenobi.com slash mousefantravel and get a no-cost, no-obligation quote. 104 days until liftoff, until we whoosh away, whoosh away into... this amazing experience at Walt Disney World. So I'm hoping, again, uh, it is getting close to the wire. Um, people are asking me, because I know you may have seen on StarWars.com last week is a, is, a, is a quick paragraph at the top of one of their articles, but it said the next celebration is until 2025. So that means we've got a couple of years until celebration, which is great, right? So maybe we should do a Star Wars fan thing like we're doing with the Halcyon. Um, next year. So I don't know, just something to think about and just kind of percolating on ideas, but you know, kind of let me know what you think. I know, 
Uh, sometimes it's a big ask, but you know, just just having opportunities for us, I think, would be fun. Terry wants to know: Are you and Mason doing double duty for Mando on Bad Batch? He's doing a great job, by the way. Well, thank you. He's definitely going to be joining me every week on Bad Batch, and Mandalorian kind of depends on uh, what time we record and things like that. I and mean, he's been watching Mandalorian since the beginning. So he's always welcome to join us. And I really appreciate uh, you asking. I'll be sure to pass along. So many of you have been very kind and reached out about Mason on the show. And I love it. I love it. Daniel says a Disney cruise. You know, that, that would be pretty fun. I'm not going to lie. That would be pretty awesome. But we'll see. We'll talk to Becky and see how the Halcyon goes. You know, who knows? We may decide we want to stay on bad too. I don't know. We used to do a CWK Live on June 13th. Yes, we will. We will do it from the Halcyon. We talked about that. Last week, Terry brought it up. Uh, so, yeah, we'll do a live show on the Halcyon, which is going to be an absolute blast. Also, a blast to talk with each of you. Thank you so much for joining me. Get your top five ready for next week. It's going to be quite an awesome day tomorrow. Uh, you're going to have the Metamorphosis from the Bad Batch and the Mandalorian Chapter 17, the premiere of Season 3. So cool. I'm going to have places in the CWK Cafe, our Facebook group. Right? So that is where you're going to be able to go and post your initial thoughts. Please, tomorrow, of course, don't post any spoilers because not everybody gets a chance to see it right away. Mary says, have a great week, everyone. Drink plenty of caps to get through all the Star Wars tonight. That's for sure. I'll probably go to bed as soon as it's over so I can do that. Mita, may the Force be with you as well. Thank you again, everybody. Spread the word about Coffee with Kenobi. Let them know about the interviews. And let them know that this is a Star Wars community that they are looking for. I just came up with a new outro. Thanks again, everybody. Enjoy tomorrow. See you soon. This podcast is not endorsed by the Walt Disney Company or Lucasfilm Limited. It is intended for entertainment and informational purposes only. The official Star Wars website can be found at www.starwars.com. Star Wars, all names, sounds, and any other Star Wars-related items are registered trademarks and or copyrights of Disney and their respective trademark and copyright holders. All original content of this podcast is the intellectual property of Coffee with Kenobi unless otherwise indicated. This is the podcast you're looking for. There's no one here. You need parts? O'Reilly Auto Parts has parts. Need them fast? We've got fast. No matter what you need, we have thousands of professional parts people doing their part to make sure you have it. Product availability. Just one part that makes O'Reilly stand apart. The professional parts people. Oh, 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 O'Reilly. Auto Parts.